The following audio is from Harvest Fellowship. For more information about Harvest Fellowship, visit harvestabq.org. Are you having a good summer? Also, why is it so hot, right? Holy cow, I should do a series on hell today because it is so hot. I think it would work really well, really well. Hey, uh, before I get started, uh, uh, he's not here today, but did you enjoy Nick Martinez last Sunday? What? What a great message. I, several of you have already uh, stopped me today and told me what a great uh, job he did, how much you enjoyed it, and uh, I just want to publicly say thank you to Nick. He did a fantastic job. And uh, also, a bunch of you were here Friday night uh, for our worship night in s'mores. Did you enjoy that? Incredible. We had an incredible turnout. And I mean, literally, Lisa and I were still traveling home uh, and we were getting text messages and hearing, hearing from people what a great time they had. And, and uh, just thank you for coming and just worshiping. I mean, what a, how simple, right? Worship and eat some s'mores. Uh, summer at Harvest is a lot, a lot of fun. Um, and then I want to introduce some friends of mine to you. Uh, I'm so excited because my very best friend in the whole wide world, uh, Derek and Gail, uh, Owen, and their family, Amber and Dylan and Creed, have just moved to Albuquerque. They now live one mile from my house. I'm so excited. I went for a run today. I was in their neighborhood. I was like, I can literally run to their house. This is the coolest thing ever. And so they're here. They, they just moved. They're uh, uh, taking a new position in our state office for our denomination, the Assemblies of God. And so that, ca- that caused them to have to move here. And uh, I'm so excited, guys, that you are here. I know. I know it feels weird. I know. They've, they've, they pastored the same church for 23 years, for 23 years, and then God called them here. So it's got to, it, I don't even know how it feels. It's weird, but I'm glad you're here. And I wanted all my friends to know that you're here. And so I wanted to t- tell them hi this morning. Uh, Lisa and I and our girls have been on vacation uh, the last uh, week or so. We had a great uh, time. And, uh, you know, I was thinking while we we're on vacation, we're in a series right now uh, on family. We've been talking about all things family. Family. And in this series, I've actually mentioned a couple of times uh, that I believe it's important for families to prioritize uh, resting together and playing together. And I just, I just call that vacation. Just get, get away, make some memories, do some things uh, together. And so uh, we were practicing what we've been preaching uh, and we got away. It was so special. We had a great time. Uh, I do want you to know that, uh, so we were on a cruise. I don't know if you've ever been on a cruise or not. If you have, you'll understand this. I will not be talking about gluttony today, okay? I, that, I wouldn't. I'd have to come to the altar myself. Y'all, you get out of the pool. There's a taco bar. There's ice cream. They serve three meals a day. You can get up in the middle of the night and go get pizza. Like, it's, it's insane, all right? So we for sure ate too much. I'll, I'll be talking to the Lord about that today and, and uh, this week, and we'll, we'll get back on track. But, um, and also, uh, you'll enjoy this because we're talking about family. You know, family will cause you often to go places and to do things that you just, you never could have imagined, right? Uh, uh, we actually celebrated on our vacation, Lisa and I, our 23rd wedding anniversary. Can you believe she put up with me for that long. 
We went to a little uh, hole in the wall in Flagstaff, uh, Arizona, where we were for a couple of days. And, and if you know us, this will make sense. And I'll just say, Lisa is from Louisiana. So she's a Cajun. Uh, I love barbecue. And she found a place there that was Cajun and barbecue. And so we're like, that's awesome. This is like made for us. So we went. We had a great, uh, great anniversary. At some point, uh, the girls were with us. I put my arm around her. I said, I just, I never could have imagined 23 years ago the life that we're living. And, uh, and I, I mean that sincerely. But here's a, here's a moment that I, I couldn't have imagined. Uh, during our vacation, we, we went to a movie. And uh, I just have to tell you that this was a moment I never could have imagined 23 years ago because I took all of the girls to see the Barbie movie, okay? The Barbie movie. And uh, I didn't realize it, but uh, there was a lot of people that were there that were dressed for it. They were in their pink skirts. They were uh, guys dressed like Ken. I mean, it, it was weird, y'all. It was super weird. And while the movie was playing, I literally felt brain cells dying in my, like it, I was getting dumber uh, by the minute. But we, had a, we laughed. We had a great time. Um, and that's what family is all about. And so we just took the summer to talk about about all things family. That's what we're going to talk about today. And uh, let me just tell you, I know these have already been announced, but guys, don't miss pool party tonight. It's going to be a blast. Uh, I just checked. We have five people who are signed up to be baptized tonight. Uh, It's my favorite baptism of the whole year because I think baptism should be a party. And so we literally do it at the pool party. So everyone will be swimming. And at some point I go, hey, real quick, everyone come to this end and we'll baptize five people who've made a decision to follow Jesus, which is so, so exciting. That's literally why we exist, to introduce people to Jesus. So that's going to be a ton of fun tonight. But also, uh, today, I'm really excited about this. At the end of the service, we're going to be doing communion together. I'm really excited about that. In the Bible, you know, Jesus, the first communion, Jesus is at the table with his disciples, and, and, and that's the very first communion. And he teaches us through that example how to do it. And then he says to us as followers, continue to do this until I return, until I I come back for you. And so it's something that we as, as a church, we do uh, to remember and to remind ourselves that Jesus is coming back for us. But I love the picture of Jesus at the table. And so sometimes uh, you'll hear us talk about communion as coming to the Lord's table because the, the table is, a, isn't that a great place for families to come together, right? I mean, that was one of my favorite parts of our cruise is coming at, at and no matter what happened during the day, like the kids would go and they'd do their adventures and they were doing scavenger hunts, and, and they were swimming, and they were eating ice cream while they were swimming, and, and Lisa and I were, you know, doing other things. We were in the hot tub. We were doing stuff, and, we, and but no matter what, at dinner, we all came back together, and, and, and it's this long, you know, process on a, on a cruise ship where they, they bring you appetizers, and then a main dish, and then two or three desserts, depending on, you know. I, I was, by the way, our, our, our waiter called me. He gave me the title, The Master of Dessert, Okay. Come on, somebody, the master of dessert. I was showing them how to do it. But we're at the table, right? We're at the table. Great things happen when families come to the table. And so today, as a church family, at the end of the service, we're going to come to the table of the Lord. We're going to have communion. We're gonna, it's going to be really powerful. I'm super excited. I just wanted to give you a heads up about that. Today, we're talking about family. Let me ask you a question. Um, I don't know if you're like me in this way or not, but I love watching, I'll just call it this, fail videos, okay? Fail videos. Like, I'm talking about the kind of videos where people 
are doing stupid things and they get hurt, and it's funny to watch other people get hurt. Does anyone else? Come on. You like, who likes watching that kind of stuff? People falling, people jumping off of things, people, I mean, I just, I don't know, I mean, for hours, literally for hours, I could just put, you know, a YouTube of that on and just watch people get hurt and do stupid things and just laugh, and it's just so much fun, and you're judging me right now. I can see it in your eyes. I can see it in your eyes. One of the things that has made this even more, uh, I don't know, easy for us to see is everyone installing doorbell cameras. Have have you noticed this? Now we're catching people like literally on their doorstep, you know, falling and and slipping and dropping things and dogs barking, right? I I won't tell you who, but last year uh, there was a a little ice storm here in Albuquerque. We have a doorbell camera and our doorbell camera caught someone in our driveway. I won't tell you who who her name rhymes with Misa, but I, I won't tell you who it is. But, but this particular person was getting in her car and like this fast, whoop, just slipped, fell, disappeared behind the car. We lost her and up, 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 there she is. She popped up and, and I won't tell you who, but once we realized that this person was okay, we laughed really hard. I mean, I mean, in fact, she laughed with us. We watched the video forwards and backwards and slow-mo. I mean, we, it was so, like I, I saved it. I'm sending it to, to the family. We have a family group chat. I'm sending it to the family. We're all, we're all laughing. Once we knew that this person, me, she was okay. We, we had a good time, right? Those are funny. Those are funny fails. Am I right? Like th- those can be a lot of fun, but there are some fails in life that are not funny at all. And that's really more what I want to talk about today. As we're talking about family, uh, this is what I want to talk about is what happens when your dreams for your family fail, <laughs> You know, all of us, all of us have dreams for our family. 23 years ago, Lisa and I stood uh, in a church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana to say I do to one another. And in each of our hearts, we had dreams. We, we, we had imaginations for what our future would be. We, 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 we dreamed about where we might live and what we might do and the kids we'd have and, and all the adventures that we'd go on. And I'm sure you have those same things. You, you, you have dreams for your family, but here's the harsh reality of life is that all of of those dreams don't always come true. Am I right? So what happens? What happens when your dreams for your family fall apart? What happens when, 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 when it's not the life that you've imagined? That's really what I want us to explore today. We're going to do that by digging into God's Word. We believe God's Word is living and it's active. That means it's for us, for here, for today. It's not just an old book for people a long time ago, but it's for you and I today. And I want you to hear me, whether it's your first time here or you've been coming for a long time. I believe that God has a Word for you today. I don't believe that's an accident that you are here today. All the things that had to happen for you to be here, I believe that God has a word for you today. And so we have a tradition here that as we get into God's word, we just pause and we say a really quick prayer. It's a really personal prayer. It's a prayer I would ask that you would pray for yourself because I can't really pray it for you. Your, your, your neighbor sitting next to you can't really pray it for you. And the prayer goes like this. It's like, Jesus, I'm here and I'm listening today. Will you talk to me? Will you help me today? And here's what I love is God has a message for us collectively 
as a church, as the body of Christ, but I also believe that God has a very unique word for every single person that's sitting here. He knows where you're at. He knows what your family's going through. He knows the dreams that have come true for you and the dreams that have failed, and God has a word for you today, and this prayer could make all the difference in the world on you hearing what God has for you today. So we're going to do that real quickly. How many of you will pray that prayer with me? We do that today. Let's pray. Jesus, we're so thankful that every Sunday when we come to this moment, we open your word, that you're here, you're ready to talk to us. We don't take that lightly. So today, Lord, we're just pausing to acknowledge your presence in the room today and to say, Lord, we're here. We're listening. We, we ask you today, talk to all of us, talk to each of us at the same time. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Amen. Let's go to a very famous family in the Bible. I want to look at a guy by the name of David. Uh, Some will call him King David because he was one of the kings of Israel. And King David had a promise from God that one of his sons was going to be the next king. So in other words, David had a dream for his family. David is serving as king. The Lord has given them this promise that one of his heirs is going to be the king. So he He begins to dream about what the future for his family might look like. And naturally, David began to dream that maybe it was the oldest son. His name is Amnon. That that would have been kind of how it would have normally happened, that the oldest would take the throne. But but this wasn't going to happen, and I'll tell you why. It's a really strange story, and if you don't believe me, you can read about it for yourself in 2 Samuel 13. But Amnon was in love with his half-sister whose name was Tamar, okay? And if you don't think the Bible's interesting, you're just not reading it uh, because there's some craziness in the Bible. I'll tell you about this one. Amnon is in in love with his half-sister. And so in 2 Samuel 13, he pretends to be sick and he asks Tamar to bring him some food because he thinks that'll help him to feel better. And when she does, he grabs her and he rapes his half-sister, okay? This is craziness. David reacts to this. I'll show you his reaction. And then, and then Tamar has a, has a brother named Absalom, and Absalom reacts to this. In 2 Samuel 13, it says, when King David heard all of this, he was furious. And Absalom never said a word to Amnon, either good or bad. But watch this. He hated Amnon because he had disgraced his sister Tamar. So David is furious, but if you read the story, as as angry as he is, David doesn't do anything about it. So Absalom was David's favorite son, and Absalom was a great leader, and so David begins to think, well, the next king's not going to be Amnon, but maybe it will be Absalom. So he's still, David, this is natural for parents. We dream about our, our family. We dream about our kids. We dream about their future. We dream about what is to come. And David is dreaming about his future, and he's thinking maybe it's going to be Absalom. But Absalom is angry at Amnon for taking advantage of his sister, and he's even more angry at David because David's not doing anything about this atrocity. So two years go by in this story, and the anger continues to burn inside of Absalom. And so Absalom throws a party. He invites Amnon, and at the party, he murders his brother Amnon, and then he runs away. Now let me 
ask you a question real quick. Is anyone feeling just a little bit better about your family at this point? <laughs> right? I'm, I'm here to encourage you today, all right? This is a crazy, crazy story. One son has been murdered. The other son has ran away. The sister has been raped. And there's so much going on. Three more years go by. David hasn't seen his son Absalom, and he's beginning to miss him. It says in verse 39, King David longed to go to Absalom. And so David invites Absalom to come home. Two more years go by. There's a lot of time passing in these in this story, two more years go by, and David begins to think that maybe enough time has passed, and so he decides to give Absalom an important job in the kingdom. And his hope really is that they'll work together, that people will forget about Absalom's past, and that, that one day that, that, that maybe Absalom will still be able to take the throne. And so for four more years, David and his son Absalom work together. And on the surface, y'all, everything seems to be going fine, but under the surface, something is happening, especially in Absalom, because Absalom is so bitter because of what happened to his sister, and that his, his dad wouldn't do anything about it, and this bitterness is just growing inside of him. And I just need to pause at this point in the story to just talk to you for just a minute about bitterness. This isn't really what the message is about, but as I read through this story, I felt like the Holy Spirit kind of took me to this place, because you need to know this, that that bitterness that is not dealt with is extremely dangerous. Here, here's the cycle is something happens, someone does something, someone says something, some experience uh, you know, leads to a hurt in your life. And if you don't deal with that hurt, then it leads to anger and bitterness. And I just want to warn you to be careful on this path because it'll take you to some really, really unhealthy places. I love a couple of quotes. Leon Brown says this, bitterness is a result of clinging to negative experiences. It serves you no good and it closes the door to your future. Listen to what Maya Angelou says. She said, bitterness is like cancer. It eats. If you don't deal with the bitterness, listen, it doesn't just go away, right? There's a saying, time heals all wounds. Can I tell you something? Not true, okay? T time with a bitter wound will not heal it. It will actually exasperate it. It'll just eat at you. It'll eat at you. And every time you see that person, every time you hear their name, every time you hear something, well, they said this, or they went there, or they did this, it just eats at you, and it eats at you, and it eats at you. And I, I just, I really want to, I want to plead with you today that if there is a root of bitterness that is in your life today, I'm going to plead with you to do whatever it takes today to deal with it. You know, we got home from vacation and, and, and we, we started to unpack and, and uh, we got the car unpacked. We started, all started unpacking our bags and, and we started assigning laundry duties. We're like, Eden, you get your laundry in first and then Ava will go now. We're, you know, we're, we're doing all this and, and we get the, all the, the pile of Amazon packages that came while we were gone. We're sorting through those and we're doing all this stuff and we're checking our, you know, Lisa's checking on her plants in the house. I'm checking on the plants outside. I'm making sure the, the grass didn't die while we're gone. 
gone. I'm, we're doing all this stuff. And as I walk out of our front door, uh, we have this little path, that, our little sidewalk goes to our driveway. And I'm walking around. And all of a sudden, there's a weed that was not there when I left for vacation. All right? And I looked down at that little weed. It was, I was kind of offended in my heart that this weed would try you know, to grow in my yard. And so I just, I just simply stopped. And I reached down. And I pulled that weed. I just pulled it. And I, I, just, I just got rid of it. And here's the deal. When I left for vacation, the, the weed may not have been there, but I can tell you this. I don't know a whole lot about, about agriculture, but I know this. The seed was there, even though I couldn't see it when I left town. And left undetended, that weed just continued to grow. And if I had not stopped and reached down and pulled that weed up, and I, I tried to make sure I got the root of it, do you know why? I don't want it to come back. Right? I, I want to deal with that weed today. And this is what I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to do in some of your hearts today is he wants you to have that moment where you pause and you look down and you realize maybe you didn't even know that it had been growing there. But there was a root of bitterness that has not been dealt with. And today it has started to blossom <laughs> into a full-grown weed. And today the Holy Spirit is bringing it to your attention so you can do like I didn't. Just stop and pause and reach down and pull that thing up. And today let's let the Holy Spirit pull that root out because I'm just telling you, I'm going to show you to you in the scripture. It's so, so dangerous. Ephesians 4, 31 instructs us, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. <laughs> in other words, this is part of our call as followers of Christ is to live a life where we are not bitter and we're not angry and we're not slant. You know, all these things, we, we put it away. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15 says, see to it that no one comes short of the grace of God. Watch this. Here's where I got the language that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble. So y'all, I'm, I'm pleading with you today to do the hard work of identifying the root of bitterness. <laughs> to go back, it has a name, <laughs> and to find that root and to allow the Holy Spirit to work inside of you, to dig that out. Because I'm telling you, I'll show it to you, it will absolutely destroy you. Unresolved bitterness will destroy you. Watch what happens. happens. I'll go back to David. I'll go back to Absalom. An unresolved bitterness. 2 Samuel chapter 15 now, verse 1. In the course of time, Absalom provided himself with a chariot and horses and 50 men to run ahead of him. He would get up early and he'd stand by the side of the road that led to the city gate. And whenever anyone came with a complaint to be placed before the king for a decision, Absalom would call out him, what town are you from? Uh, he would answer, your servant, talking about himself, is from one of the tribes of Israel. And Absalom would say to him, look, your claims are valid and proper, but there's no representative of the king to hear you. And Absalom would add, if only I were appointed judge in the land, then everyone who has a complaint or a case would come to me and I would see that they receive justice. Also, whenever anyone approached him to bow down before him, Absalom would reach out his hand, take a hold, and kiss him. And Absalom behaved in this way toward all the Israelites who came to the king asking for justice. Watch this. And so he stole the hearts of the people of Israel. So I have this to say about Absalom. What a little punk, right? 
I mean, what a little turd. I mean, he just, he plants himself at the, at the gate, you know, and he's, he's playing this passive, aggressive, like, well, if I were the king, I would, I would pay attention. If, if you came to talk to me, I mean, I mean, I know David doesn't have time, but I would definitely make time for you. I mean, if only there was a representative, I mean, I could be your representative, right? He's just playing this little game, but along the way, it's working, and he's stealing the hearts of the people. He's intentionally manipulating the hearts of the He's being sneaky. He's lying. And, and what I hate about it is that it, it's actually working. <laughs> people are respectful of their king, of King David, but, but their hearts are falling in love with Absalom. And so he comes up with a plan to overthrow David and to take the throne, not, not to inherit it, but to take it. And in verse 10, it says this, And Absalom sent secret messengers through the tribes of Israel to say, As soon as you hear the sound of the trumpets, then say, Absalom is king in Hebron. And 200 men from Jerusalem had accompanied Absalom, and they'd been invited as guests, and they went quite innocently, knowing nothing about the matter. And while Absalom was offering sacrifices, he also sent for, and I can't say this guy's name, so you can just pretend, and and he sent for the counselor to come from Gilo, his hometown. And so the conspiracy gained strength, and Absalom's following continued to increase. Verse 13, a messenger came and told David the hearts of the people, with Absalom. So people are beginning to see that this is happening. And David, he saw the writing on the wall. So he said to his officials, come, we must flee or none of us will escape. We've got to leave immediately or he'll move quickly to overtake us and he'll bring ruin on us and put the city to the sword. And the king's servants answered, your servants are ready to do whatever the Lord chooses. And so the king set out with his entire household following him. So what's happening is David gets word that Absalom is going to attack. He has no good options. He's stuck between a rock and a hard place. Uh, His options are that he can fight, but if he fights, Absalom's going to die or David's going to die or they're both going to die. And I can only imagine that in this moment, David is wrestling with the thought that his hopes and dreams for his family have failed. (laughs) I mean, at this point, he's tried to hold it all together. He, he dealt with what happened with, with, happened with Amnon and with Tamar. Uh, Absalom went away. Absalom came back. He gave him a job. I mean, all it, he's trying all along that maybe, maybe my dream for my family is actually going to, to happen. But at this moment, he has to be wrestling with this idea that his dreams for his family are, are failing. They're, 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 they're being destroyed. At this moment, he's got to be looking back and be thinking, this is not how I thought it was going to turn out. (laughs) Maybe as you reflect on some parts of your family, you have had similar thoughts. This is not what I thought was going to happen, what it was going to look like. And so David packs his stuff, he gathers his family, and they leave. And as they're leaving, verse 23 says, the whole countryside wept aloud as all the people passed by, the, uh, the, the, the scene is it's so disheartening. The king is literally leaving. He's, he's fleeing from his own son, and, and his family is following with him. And, and, and I just imagine, again, if I put, Dave, if I put myself in David's shoes, I, I've got to be thinking, how did this happen? How did we get here? How can God bring anything good out of this mess? 
Verse 23, the king also crossed the Kidron Valley and all the people moved on towards the wilderness. And Zadok was there too and all the Levites who were there with him carrying, watch this, carrying the Ark of the Covenant of God. I'll tell you about that in just a second. And they set down the Ark of God and Abathar offered sacrifices until all the people had finished leaving the city. I, I probably need to explain this part because it's a little bit hard for you and I to imagine because today the presence of the Lord is all over the earth. And we gather on a Sunday or whatever day of the week we gather and we begin to worship. And the scripture says that the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. And so we begin to worship. And in a moment, the presence of God joins us. And, and, and you probably felt it earlier as we were worshiping. You sensed something. You, as we were singing, it was more than a, a song. It was like, man, I'm interacting with, 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 with God. God himself has, has shown up at harvest this morning morning. It's an amazing thing, but that's not how it happened in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, there was a, a box. Uh, it was called the Ark of the Covenant, okay? This was not from Indiana Jones, all right? This is Old Testament, all right? And it housed the presence of the Lord, and the Ark was supposed to live in the city of Jerusalem, but as David and his family fled, they grabbed the Ark of the Covenant and they took the Ark with him, okay? So they get to a place and, and they begin to offer sacrifices, right? And, I'll just, I'll just, and, and this is what happens, verse 25. The king said to Zadok, so David said to Zadok, take the Ark back to the city. He, he, in other words, he realizes that in his fleeing, he, he had done something wrong. Now, I think the intention was right. He, he's, get, he's grabbing everything important to him, right? He's grabbing his family, and he's grabbing his, you know, photo albums, and he's grabbing, you know, whatever. I don't know. What would you grab in, a, in an emergency, right? Uh, we always tease Lisa. She would, she would grab the, the uh, Vitamix, right? The, she, it's, her, it's her most important, you know, appliance in the kitchen, and, and Nanette would grab the air fryer, you know. I don't know. Whatever you would grab, I'd grab some fly rods, and right? So they grab some stuff, and, and Somewhere along the way, they're like, grab the, grab the ark, grab the, grab the ark. It's important to us. And so the priests, they got it. And they grab the ark, and here they go, and they're, they're traveling. And they get out of the city, and David begins to think, this, this isn't right. The ark is supposed to be in the city. So he goes back to Zadok, and he says, hey, take the ark back to the city. And watch this. If I find favor in the Lord's eyes, he'll bring me back and let me see it in his dwelling place again. But if he says, I'm not pleased with you, then I am ready. And I want you to pay attention to this sentence because it's going to frame today's conversation. David says, let him, talking about the Lord, let him do to me whatever seems good to him. Let him do to me whatever seems good to him. We've got to pay attention to this phrase. I know it's going to seem oversimplified to some of you today. But this is the context is that David's dream for his family is failing at every turn. And this is his attitude. He says, I trust the Lord. I'm not going to try to fix it on my own. I'm not going to steal the, the ark from the city where it belongs and take it with me and try to control the situation. I'm not going to do that. And he sends the ark back and he says to the Lord, he says, do whatever you think is right. Lord, I trust you. Listen, if your dream for your family 
has been destroyed. We can learn some lessons from David today. And I want to take this approach. David avoided three common mistakes that we tend to make when we realize that our family dream is failing. I'll do it quickly. The first one is this, is my faith is not dependent on the fulfillment of my dreams. Let me say it again. My faith is not dependent on the fulfillment of my dreams. David, in this story, did not base his faith on the idea that God had to fulfill his dreams and that if that didn't happen, then his faith would falter. In fact, David's dreams went sideways in a big way, but he was able to hold on to his faith. Too many today, when their dream dies, so does their faith. I meet a lot of people that when they find out that we're pastors, they'll say things like, I used to be a Christian, or I used to go to church, or I used to, but then they almost always follow it with, but then this thing happened. Then this person died that we'd prayed for for so long. Then my spouse cheated on me. Then the pastor said something mean to me. Then they sang the worship song that I definitely do not like, right? I don't, whatever it is. And it's this idea that I'm nervous about that's in our culture that our faith is too closely tied to the fulfillment of our dreams, This has become an all too common practice in American Christianity. In fact, there's a name for it. It's something called the prosperity gospel. It's become wildly popular. It's a belief system that says that that financial blessing and physical well-being are always the will of God. And prosperity teachers will tell you that the way to achieve the blessing of God is that you just have to have a little more faith and you just gotta give a little more money to their ministry, and then God will bless you immensely. And a lot of people start down that path. And as long as the blessing is there, it's really, really good, and it's really, really fun. But as soon as something goes wrong, the whole thing unravels. Because if it's true that the blessing and goodwill always follows you, as soon as it's not following you, you're in trouble. Because now your faith begins to unravel. Now you begin to question everything you know about God. Well, if this is happening, then God must not be real. If this is happening, God must not love me. If this is happening, and, and, and all of a sudden, the faith begins to unravel. And I have to be honest with you today, and I have to tell you the truth. This is not how it works. The Bible actually tells us that it rains on the just and the unjust. Good things happen to all people, <laughs> not just to, I mean, the, there's no good people anyway, but, but people often will say, well, why do bad things happen to good people? And the major you know, fault in that argument is there are no good people, but we all do tend to perceive ourselves as being better than most. And so we put ourselves in that category, right? We, and, and, and so I have to warn you, this is not how it works. I will tell you, I will tell you this, that the heart of God towards you is for to bless you. He loves you unconditionally. He would love to pour his blessing out on you and your family, but we live in a broken world. 
We live in a messed up world. We live in a sinful world. And ever since Adam and Eve in Genesis took the fruit, we've been battling sin and sin nature, and we'll battle it until Jesus comes back. And as long as that is in the earth, there's gonna continue to be bad things that happen both to unbelievers and to believers. So I'm asking you today, do not tie your faith to the fulfillment of your dreams. If, if the Apostle Paul was here today and we asked him about this, he might point us to 2 Corinthians chapter 11 where he said this in verse 23, I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. That sounds like a lot of fun, right? <laughs> All these terrible things happening to Paul. And he goes on, he says, five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes. In other words, I was whipped Four, uh, five different times, three times I was beaten with rods, once I was pelted with stones, three times I was shipwrecked, I spent a day and a night in the open sea, I've been constantly on the move, I've been in danger from rivers, I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false believers, I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep, I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. What in the world would Paul have to say to the prosperity preachers today, right? In other words, this is, this is one of the, the foremost authorities. I mean, he's written books of the Bible that we study today, and he's saying to you and I today, hey guys, sometimes some bad things are going to happen, but what I love about Paul is that his faith didn't falter. In Philippians chapter four, verse 12, it says this. He said, I know what it's like to be in need and I know what it's like to have plenty. He said, I know both sides. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether, whether living in plenty or want. And then he says this famous verse, I can do all things through him who give me strength. In other words, Paul wasn't crossing the, 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 the line to do a touchdown, right? That's normally where we hear this, uh, this verse. He's saying, guys, I've had a hard life. I've also had some good things happen, and I can handle all of it because the strength of God lives inside of me. If we go back to David and we look, there's actually a psalm, Psalm chapter 3, that he writes as he's running from his son Absalom. And listen how, how David says this. He says, Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him, right? So David begins, he's a little bit down in the dumps, right? He's assessing his situation. He's saying, my dream for my family is failing. Lord, they're coming after me. In fact, the public opinion is that I will not survive this, but he continues and he says this in verse three, but you, Lord, are a shield around me. He starts turning the corner. My glory, the one who lifts my head high. I call out to the Lord and he answers me from his holy mountain. I lie down and I sleep. In other, words, in other words, he's saying, I'm not anxious. I'm not worrying. I'm not in fear, even though my dreams are falling about, uh, apart. I lay down and I sleep at, at night. And then I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear, though tens of thousands assail me on every side. And then you, you hear him getting his confidence. And then he says, he's like, arise, Lord, deliver me, my God. He's, start, he's starting to believe that God is on his side, 
Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. I, I like that one. Break their teeth, Lord. Like, come on, Lord. From the Lord comes deliverance. May the bless, your blessing be on your people. This is why David could say earlier, Lord, whatever you think is best for me, I trust you. Even as my dreams are falling apart, Lord, I trust you. If your dream is falling apart today, please don't make this mistake. Don't link your faith to the fulfillment of your dreams. I'm, I'm asking you today to hang on. I'm here to encourage you today to hold to your faith, to believe that God is here for you and he loves you and he wants the best for you and circumstances may look otherwise, but do not lose your faith. Here's the second one, is my faith is not dependent on God fulfilling my dreams the way that I think he should. <laughs> this is kind of the next iteration of this idea that God is always going to bless me. Not only is he going to bless me, but I know how I think God should do it, and if he doesn't do it that way, I'm going to throw a fit. Have you ever done that? Come on, be honest. You think you know how God should take care of you, <laughs> how he should heal, how he should provide, how he should encourage, how, and, and, and you have this idea, and when God doesn't do it that way, sometimes in our humanity, we just throw a fit. It kind of reminds me of the movie Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Does anyone like that movie? Anyone? Do you remember the character Violet Beauregard? Do you remember the, the spoiled little brat, right? Her daddy was rich and she got everything that she wanted and, 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 and she gets in, you know, she gets the golden ticket because her daddy bought all the chocolate and they found the golden ticket and she gets in. And do you remember she loved to chew what? Bottle gum. That was her thing, right? And she gets in, and Willy Wonka has a, a, a new gum that he's working on, and she just, she just runs up, and she just grabs it. She just takes things in her own hands, and she just pops it in, and he's going, I'm, it's not ready yet. And she starts to chew the gum. Do you remember this? And it's a whole meal, remember? And she's tasting all the flavors, and, all, and all, she gets to the end, and it starts tasting like what at the end? What? A blueberry. You all remember this? You remember this? I'm proud of you. I wish you knew your Bible this well, but no, I'm teasing you. <laughs> and she's like, oh, it's blueberry. And what happens? She starts turning into a blueberry. Do you remember? I love it. I, love, I just watched it again because I, I just, I was like, oh, this is so fun. She's, she starts puffing up, you know. She starts turning blue, but she doesn't realize it. And she's smacking. You know, she's just chewing and everyone's looking and watching. And, and she's turning into a blueberry. And I remember I, one of my favorite lines, Charlie asks, uh, his grandfather says, why won't she listen to Mr. Wonka? And, and Grandpa Joe, I just love it, says, because Charlie, she's a nitwit. <laughs> Anyone know any nitwits? Anyone? No, 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 no. It's this idea, right? They're like, I know what God should do for me, and I know how he should do it for me. And if he doesn't, I'm going to throw a fit, right? I'm going I'm I'm to throw a fit. And we, we can act like this ourselves, like Violet Beauregard sometimes when it comes to God. We think we know what he should do, and we think we know how she, he should do it. What I love about David is that he did not base his faith on how he thought God should fulfill his promise. David had a promise from God. One of his sons was going to inherit the throne, and he assumed that he knew how that was going to happen. I mean, of course, it would be his oldest until something happened. 
But like you and I sometimes, David had a plan B. Anyone else have a plan B? Right? It's like, okay, plan A didn't work. I got a good plan B, God. Have you ever done that? He got a plan B. He's like, I know, okay, it wasn't Amnon. Maybe it's Absalom. And he's, he's got this idea, but it wasn't plan B either. How many of you are glad that when our plan A and our plan B doesn't work, that God has a plan C? Can I just, can I tell you something today? That God's plan C is so much better than your plan A or plan B. It's so much better so David, he was careful. He didn't fall into this mistake of tying his faith to how God should fulfill his dreams. And the last thing I'll talk to you about today, and then we're going to come to the table. We're going to take communion. We're going to remember the faithfulness of God. The last one is this. Is I want to talk to you about the danger of taking things into my own hands. Taking things in my own hands. It's, it's this idea that not only do we think we know what God should do for us, and not only do we think we know how God should do that, but if he doesn't do that, many of us are tempted to just take things into our own hands. One of our stops on our vacation was at the Grand Canyon. How many have been in the Grand Canyon? Anyone been? It's so, God, if you haven't been, you need to go. Some, it's, it's breathtaking. We have pictures, but they won't do it justice. And we, uh, it was a beautiful day, and, and so we went, we spent the whole day there. We, we hopped on a shuttle, and we'd go to, to, from lookout point to lookout point, and, and we were, we're going along, and, and uh, I kept thinking in my head, I kept thinking, I really hope today that I see some bighorn sheep, okay? I just, it was in my, I was like thinking, I hope that we'll see some bighorn sheep. I like that kind of stuff, and, and we're walking down a trail, we come around a corner, Bam, there are some bighorn sheep. They're just, there's two of them, and they're just standing there. They're right on the edge of the cliff, and they're just looking at us. And I'm like, oh, this is the coolest thing that's ever happened. And so I got, you know, I kind of had a tree between us. I'm kind of going. They knew I was there, but I was sneaking, and I'm trying to get good pictures, right? And then there's this family. They should, they should hear some of the messages I've been preaching. It would help them. Because mom and dad are, like, taking pictures on the edge of the cliff, and they're oblivious to their daughter, Vicky. okay? I know her name's Vicky because she had a backpack and her name was on it, okay? And Vicky saw the bighorn sheep about the time that I did, and she was a bit of a violet Beauregard, and she was like this big, she was a tiny little thing, and she wanted to touch the sheep. She wanted to touch the sheep. And I'm standing there thinking, um, I'm going to video this because she is going to get mauled by a sheep. And I'm going to post, I'm going to post this. I'm going to protect her, but I'm going to get a little video first. I know. Her parents had no clue. Y'all, no, they're over there. Selfies. I'm like, Vicky, Vic, hey, Vic, no Vicky. Back, Vicky, back up. Back, Vicky, put a tree between you. Vicky. And she chased the sheep around this, and she chased, and she just kept going. And finally, the, the sheep just had enough, and they, I, I really thought they were going to trample us. But they, they, they made their way around, and they ran off. And here goes Vicky. Ah! And I'm like, oh, Lord. I just had this idea in my head as I'm watching. I'm thinking, how often do we try? <laughs> we pursue the things that we think we need in our lives, and we we don't ask mom and dad. We, 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 don't, we don't consult. We just go. We're, we're just reaching. We're reaching. We're reaching. We're pursuing. We're pursuing. I'm just telling you, it's super dangerous to try to take things into your own hand. I do need to tell you, Vicki lived. We're all good. 
felt like I shouldn't leave you on that cliffhanger. We saw Vicky later. I'm like, come on, girls. <laughs> Sometimes when things don't go right, we try to take things into our own hands. And this is the moment where David said what we looked at earlier, let him do to me whatever seems good to him. And that's the moment where David sent the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem and he just completely put his trust in God. And can I tell you something? Because if if you do this, you're gonna have people around you that are gonna judge this decision to not take things into your own hands and to trust the Lord. So let me just, let me tell you today, trusting God is not giving up. Trusting God is is not just throwing in the towel. It, It might appear that to someone in your life who's an unbeliever, but trusting God is the most courageous thing you can do because it's in this moment that you take your hands off of the situation and you say, Lord, I trust you. I don't understand. I don't see, I, I don't see a good into this for my marriage. I don't see a good end to this for my children. I don't see a good end to the Lord. I trust you, God. Whatever you see as good for me, I trust you. I'll go back to the Apostle Paul one more time. He said in Romans chapter 8, he definitely understood this. He said, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. If your dream has died for your family today, I want to remind you that God has an amazing plan for you. And I want to remind you that you can trust the Lord. Can I tell you, it's easy to trust God when everything's going well. Am I right? So easy when things are good to just trust the Lord. But I know that on any given Sunday, it's just, it's just statistics that there's enough of you in the room today that things are not going good. And in those moments, it's harder. It's harder to trust the Lord. And this is when I love being part of a church family because that's when we draw from one another and we're reminded of the faithfulness of God. I'm telling you, no matter what's happened in your family today, you can trust the Lord. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Let me tell you how we're gonna, how we're gonna end. I'm excited about communion. By the way, um, we're instructed in the Bible to take communion and to remember the promises of God until he returns. And let me just tell you this, I always like to explain it because I know depending on your upbringing, you, you might have questions about this. So let me, let me clarify a couple of things. Uh, number one, if this is uncomfortable for you, you're unsure and you're like, I don't think I wanna do this, you don't have to do it, okay? We're not gonna make you and we're not gonna judge you. But also, you don't, you don't have to you know, be a member here. Maybe you're a guest here today and you're like, can I do this? Yes, yes, you can. We would, in fact, we would love for you. I'm, I'm telling you, it's gonna, be a power, it's gonna be a powerful few minutes as we come to this time. Some of you were stirred earlier to dig up a root of bitterness. And as you come to the table of the Lord, you're gonna have to confront that before you can take communion. And the Lord's gonna heal you today. He's gonna, he's gonna set you free. For some of you today, you're gonna come to the table and you're gonna have to come face to face with the idea that the dreams for your family are failing. And you're gonna hold the cup and you're gonna hold the bread. It represents the blood of Christ and the body of Christ that was bruised and broken on your behalf. And you're gonna hold that and you're gonna, you're gonna have to come to grips with do I trust the Lord, even though my dreams are failing? 
My hope is that you'll come to the place that David did where you're to say, I'm not gonna take it into my own hands, Lord. I trust you. I trust you with my marriage. I trust you with my kids. I trust you with my family. And in that moment, I'm just telling you, something supernatural is gonna begin to happen over your family. I believe it. Powerful things happen as we come to the table of the Lord. So here's what we're gonna do is our hospitality team is gonna come and they're gonna position themselves uh, across the front. They have little baskets and, and they ha- in these baskets are these, these cute little cups. They look like this. And, and, and on the top, there's a little piece of bread. I'll, I'll give you instructions. You know, all, all you're gonna do is come and take it. And just what I want you to do, we don't always do it this way, but I'm, I'm gonna actually have you kind of hang out here at the front with me because I want us to be together, one big family at the table. And I'll give you some instructions. We'll take the bread and then we'll, we'll take the juice. And we're gonna remember the faithfulness of the Lord. And so our worship team is gonna lead us in a final song. And as they do, if you just begin to make your way and if you're in the balcony, if you take these two side, one of the two side stairs and come down and our, our team's here and just, just grab a, a cup and get, get with your family and find a place, stay close if you don't mind. It'll just take a couple of minutes and then we're gonna take communion, communion together. I hope, I hope that's helped you today. So worship team, why don't you come help us this morning. Let's come to the table of the Lord today and remember the faithfulness of God. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Fellowship Podcast. For more information, visit harvestabq.org.